Hey there, John from FatStacksBlog.com. Before we get into today's thought-provoking topic, this is sponsored by Ezoic, which is a high-tech blogging platform whose claim to fame is split-testing ads like crazy all over your site in an effort to earn your site more money. It works. I use them. Check out Ezoic today. All right, today I want to talk about how your blog or niche site is worth more than you think it is with one simple tweak. Now, before we get into this, I think one one thing a lot of bloggers that I talk to and niche site owners, especially people getting started, is they focus a lot on monthly revenue. And this is cool, of course, it's all, it's all driven by monthly revenue. But one big benefit of this business, it still actually surprises me, is that you could sell these websites down the road for, for quite a bit of money, quite a lot of money actually, like, like pretty big multiples these days, there's big demand for it. And I think that's just outstanding. I mean, you know, you create an online business that's actually generating monthly revenue, and then someday you can sell it for a big pot. And that's pretty cool. So if you're really new to this, keep that in mind. It's, it's a huge motivator. Now. Let's talk about how websites are valued. The The key metric in evaluation of a website is the net income figure, all right? That's all your revenue, less all your expenses. What's remaining is your net monthly income. And to actually come up with a valuation, because it's not worth just one month of net income, it's worth a certain number of months times net monthly income. That's called the multiple, right? X there is the multiple. Now, the unknown, of course, is how many months will be applied as the multiple. Is it going to be 10? Will it be 20? Will it be 30? Will it be 40? Or more. Some sites have gone for more. Now, I don't buy and sell a whole lot of sites, but I keep my ear to the ground. And I think around 30 months net, net monthly income is a fairly standard multiple use these days. It depends, you know, on a number of factors, age of site, consistency of earnings, consistency of traffic, traffic growth, quality of content. And there's lots of variables. I'm not, I'm not going to say that everything is, boils down to net income because a buyer wants something that's stable or that's growing. So if, if it's a distressed site, you're going to have to take less. If it's a brand new site, you're probably going to get a lower multiple. So there are a lot of factors that go into this. It's, it's not a real simple formula. Okay. But that's essentially how websites are valued. Okay, so if we look at an example of $3,000 net income per month, and we use a, a multiple of 30 months, that's a site valuation of $90,000. But here's the kicker. There's an unknown variable in terms of arriving at net income. In other words, we can approach net income from a n number of ways. And, and, th and this is an accounting issue, all right? N this isn't unique to website valuation. What is the net income of something of a business can be many different numbers, and it depends how you arrive at it. So let's let's look at it. Let's look at uh, what I am proposing is a slightly different approach. Okay, traditionally, brokers and buyers will reduce the net income by the cost of the content. So if a blogger or content uh, publisher is investing $800 per month in content, and then the net income is 3000 So really, one could argue that if we remove 
the cost of content as an expense, the actual net income is 3800 So now, now we've got a difference of opinion, right? One is saying, likely the buyer is saying, the net income is 3000 because, well, you have to pay 800 bucks a month for content. The seller can argue, and that's the whole point of this, is that no, 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 no. The net income is 3800 Content is not an expense. It's an investment. So let's talk about that. And notice there, when you add that content investment back to the original 3000 net income, it's 3800 The new valuation is $114,000. So that's a difference of 24000 bucks. So we're not talking about chump change here, even for smaller sites all the way up to large sites. This amounts to a, a significant amount of money. And typically, the bigger, the more profitable sites, the more that is being invested in content every month. So it kind of exponentially grows in terms of how this can make a difference. So before we get into what I think about this and my arguments for the idea that content is an investment and not an expense, I reached out to a few pros, uh, namely brokers, website brokers, that is. And we got a whole variety of opinions, which is what I expected. But I, I was pleasantly surprised that two brokers see it my way. Okay, the first one is Flippa. I got a pretty standard response. Here it is. We believe that a seller should include every outlay the site incurs to operate. Okay, well, does that mean it's uh, the content is an expense or not? Is, is, is that is content needed to operate the site? I don't know. Not a great answer. I'm taking it as they expense the content. Okay, thanks, Flippa. Latona, very reputable website broker, told me straight up it's an expense. Got it. Empire Flippers, more nuanced here. From a valuation standpoint, though, content expenses are not considered required expenses to maintain the business as is, so it is not counted in the valuation as an expense. This is a relatively recent change in their approach to valuing sites, and it's definitely along the lines of my thinking, and they see it the way I do. All right, we got one more FE International, definitely reputable broker sells high-value sites. They're more nuanced, and I really like their response, and that is, we have been making adjustments to profit and losses statements based on content costs for a number of years now. It is a lot more complicated than just including all content expenses or adding back all. It is usually somewhere in the middle. So trying to hide this last bit here, so trying to hide content expenses or cut back on content is not sensible. Focus on running your business well and buyers will recognize that and pay accordingly. I like that last bit because we've got a problem here when buyers are insisting that content is an expense. We it, it, It's an incentive for site owners if they're planning a sale to stop investing in the site, right? For Usually the numbers are looked at for the last 12 months. Now some buyers may want to go further back, but typically it's the last 12 months, revenue and expenses and all that. Okay, so if you own a site and you're thinking, well, you know what, I think in, in the next year or so I want to sell this sucker. All right, I'm not putting much money into content anymore. You spend 800, I'm going to spend 50 bucks. I'm going to publish one article a month in 12 months. That's not going to, it's going to be a nominal expense. I'm going to get more money. That's not a good plan. And FE International recognizes that. They say that's not, that's not a good idea, right? You're compromising, you're potentially hurting the site. And smart buyers will recognize that. And, and so it's not an approach I, I suggest. But at the same time, 
that's exactly why it's important to make the point to any buyers and to brokers that, hey, content is shouldn't be fully expensed. Now, why do I think so? Okay, well, first off, and this is the strongest argument in my view, is that any current investment in content impacts future growth. Right? So a, a buyer is buying the site based on current revenue. But the articles I published last week or last month, I don't benefit. That, there's no revenue coming from that unless maybe I get a little pop from social media. I'm not going to see any revenue from those articles for three, six, maybe 12 months. I've had articles that take, take 12 plus months to rank and, and sometimes longer. And so th it's, it's an investment in the future. It's not a current expense to keep the site going. The content I published two years ago, now that that is what's generating the revenue. So in my view, it's an investment in future revenue, in additional revenue. A buyer is buying it based on current revenue. So if a buyer is saying, hey, listen, you know, we've got to expense all the content you, you're investing in every month. I'm going to be like, yeah, okay, we could do that. But then we're not going to use today's revenue numbers. We're going to use projected revenue numbers based on historical growth 12 months, 18 months, 24 months out. And that's the revenue we're going to use because current content is what's going to drive the higher revenue. So, you know, the buyer can't have their cake and eat it too, right? So it goes both ways. And I can tell you this, no buyer is going to agree to value based on a projected revenue of a website 12 or 18 months out. I know I wouldn't. Second reason is a pretty concrete, simple reason, and that is what if, what if the seller just writes the content themselves, right? There's no expense attached to it. It's called sweat equity. And I've written, when I, when I got started, I wrote everything. Okay, so, so why would a site where the seller writes everything get to enjoy, and let's assume all other financial metrics are the same, why would a seller who writes it themselves get to have a, have a website that's valued much, much higher than another seller who's merely outsourcing the content. It doesn't make any sense. The site is the site is the site. They could be identical sites in all respect. And yet, the one where the seller is actually doing the writing, they're not going to expense that. Finally, point number three, and I've already brought this up, is you create a scenario where the seller, the site owner, has an incentive to stop investing in the site before a sale, especially if they plan that out. Now, some people sell because they need the cash quickly, and so they're not going to have the opportunity to methodically reduce their expenses and, and try to max out a sale price down the road. But a lot of sellers do plan these out. And when there's an incentive built into the process where a site owner is basically going to say, well, you know, if I'm going to get dinged, I keep on investing in content, I'm, I'm slashing my content investment down by 90%, I'll kick it along, 8, 12 months, and then I'm going to fetch way more money. Why wouldn't you? Because you could deploy all that content investment in, in somewhere else and, and grow another site or do something else with it. So this this is not a good incentive. This is bad behavior. I agree with FE International. This, this is not a good thing for any site owner to do. You should keep focusing on the site. I, I would want to, but 
it's hard to if you're thinking that I'm going to I'm going to actually spend more money and it's going to cost me more in the end. So it doesn't make any sense. Now, when you think about how websites function as a business, the question comes to me is, are they, are they more like real estate or are they more like a, a manufacturing or, or retail type of business? And the more I think about it, now, now it's not it's not perfect analogy here, but it, in a lot of ways, websites are very much like real estate. You know, when you sell real estate, you don't reduce that income of the property by the cost to build the building as an expense. It's already built. Your site is already built. The cost is incurred. Yes, of course, there are maintenance costs to, to property, but the actual cost of building the structure and buying the land is done. And that is going to produce the revenue going down the road. And it's the same with the website. The content that is on the site is already done and it's generating revenue. Which brings me to another point. There are some websites out there where content can't be added because the topic's been covered. Now, this is pretty rare, but in theory, this could be the case. It'd be like, well, we have completely covered the niche topic, and so we aren't publishing anything else, and so there's no more content to, to buy, and that's not an expense, right? That's kind of like real estate. Well, you built the building, it's done, and so now it generates revenue well into the future. On the flip side, like a manufacturing business or a retail business, has ongoing labor expenses that are you know, necessary to generate the profit. Those expenses are directly attributed to revenue. And I'm not saying that there aren't expenses to a website. There are a lot of expenses. Hosting, absolutely direct, directly correlated to revenue or connected to revenue, I should say. If you have people who help maintain the site, some VAs, I, I think, in my view, that's more of an expense. But there is an argument to be made, maybe not. It, again, it comes down to, well, what about the seller who does it all themselves versus hiring a VA to handle that, right? You can have a difference in valuation. Whereas like a manufacturing company that's producing 5,000 desks per day, well, you know, the owner can't do all that work. That's impossible. The, the business absolutely requires employees to, to do that, and so that is that is a reasonable expense. So future content is attributed to additional revenue, all right? And so in my view, websites are more akin to real estate than to a manufacturing or retail type of business. So let's get down to brass tacks. What is it? I mean, is there even any point to even discussing this? In my opinion, FE International hit the nail on the head. It's somewhere in between. All right. So you got to accept this. Don't don't w listen to this and go away and be like, "All right, I'm not I'm not moving. I'm not budging. That's it. There's there's no room to negotiate. The content investment is it's not an expense, and there's no no room for negotiation. Don't do that. Right." Everything's a negotiation. It's going to fall somewhere in between. There are more variables involved in the value of a site than merely the net income number. I mentioned age of site, trajectory of growth, or is it a plateau? Is it distress? That's going to hurt. What's the quality of the content? On and on and on. Are there other traffic streams? Do you have to buy traffic in order to generate the traffic? And so on and so on and so on. Okay. At the end of the day, it's going to fall somewhere in between. And remember, if you if you adjust one of the variables, so if the net income variable adjusts upward or downward, well, the multiple that can be used, which is usually the big negotiated number, right? Is it going to be a 
month multiple, 30, 35, 40, that's the negotiated unknown. That's going to adjust as well. So you could say to the seller, well, you know, there I'm not expensing any content. Well, the buyers say, okay, well, that's great. Uh, I'll just multiple I'm willing to pay is 28 instead of 34. It's the way these things go. Got to be a realist about it. So at the end of the day, it's going to boil down to uh, market value. Your site is valued strictly based on what a buyer is willing to pay and what you're willing to sell it for. That's it. So if that's the case, is there a point to this? And and there is. All right. And that is you gain some negotiating leverage. Any argument you can make, reasonable argument you can make when you're negotiating with a seller and you're, there's going to be a lot more negotiating going on if your site is worth more and we're talking big box so there's a lot of negotiation going on. Any argument you can make that bolsters your site's value is good. That's going to help. Does that mean you're going to get everything you want? No, you're not. But it will probably or hopefully get you more than you otherwise would. So at the end of the day, you either make a deal or you don't. And remember, if both parties are unhappy, it's a good deal.